This time loop thing. How did you get out of it? Oh, I simply boosted the circuits and broke free. You came back of your own accord? Well, I... Doctor? No. No, I'm afraid not. No, obviously the Time Lords have programmed the TARDIS always to return to Earth. It seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo-yo. and welcome to Galactic Yo-Yo, the podcast where Doctor Who fans share their unpopular opinions of the world, and I have to do with them. I'm your host, Molly Marsh, uh, and I'm yet again wandering around my bedroom. I was just kind of gearing up to get back into, getting back into um, recording these intros out and about, um, but for one thing, um, it's it's chucking it down outside, and um, for another thing, we're in a national lockdown in the UK right now. Well, in England, I believe that the Welsh and Scottish are dealing with things rather differently and are about to open up their cities once again. Um, but yeah, for the English, uh, yeah, we're, we're locked down for, for the best part of another month, um, which is necessary, but no fun. But what, what it does mean um, with spending so much time inside is that I've had the opportunity to make lots and lots of podcasts. I'm currently sitting on, including this one, I'm currently sitting on three episodes. I'm recording another one tomorrow, another one next week, and I have lots of um, other guests lined up too um, that I'm in dialogue with. Um, So I'm super duper excited um, about the podcast. It's the most excited I've been about the podcast in, in quite some time. And because we're all in the lockdown and because I've got this abundance of time, I thought, why not move the podcast to weekly for a bit um, until at least the end of the year um, and pump out a little bit of extra content. Um, So these episodes are going to return to weekly, um, at least for a little while, and then maybe we'll go bi-weekly again um, in the new year. Um, Some people um, expressed to me that that was something they didn't want because uh, it's harder to keep up with podcasts at the moment because there's no commute. But I just figured, well... Those people can just listen when they're ready uh, and the episodes will all be there. It's not like you can be spoiled or anything for um, a podcast. So those people could just like consume it when they're when they're ready to do so. But this week on the podcast, um, I actually recorded this conversation a couple of weeks ago. Um, but it is a conversation with Caitlin Smith, um, who is a Doctor Who fan and a writer who is one of the main brains behind a fan series called The Untold Adventures, um, all about the uh, adventures of Clara Oswald um, after her departure from Doctor Who. So I got the lowdown on that from um, Caitlin. And we also talked about um, Clara uh, a little more widely, and she expressed her unpopular opinion that Series uh, 7 Clara is good, actually. Um, So you can hear us talk about that, and you can hear us talk about Clara And you can hear us talk about the Untold Adventure series in our conversation. It's a very Clara-centric episode. So I was going to say, if you don't like Clara, then don't listen. But actually, do listen, because I hope that we can change your mind 
on Clara because my mind, as I explained in the conversation, was changed rather drastically on the character. But anyway, that's enough of my waffling. There are more episodes to come every Monday until the end of the year and then more Mondays after that. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Caitlin Smith over in Australia about Clara Oswald. I'm here with uh, Caitlin Smith. Hi, Caitlin. Hello. Um, and you are a writer and creator who is behind a series of Clara Oswald um, stories. Is that right? Yes, The Untold Adventures. The Untold Adventures. Now, I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but I, I'm kind of going to flip the script with the usual podcast format this week. And I'm going to ask you, first of all, um, how your journey with Doctor Who started and... Um, I forgot to do the time zone chat. I always do time zone chat with uh, people, especially people in Australia. What time is it for you, Caitlin? Uh, <laughs> it's quarter it's to 11 qu- in the morning for me. It's quarter past nine in the evening. Isn't that crazy? It's so crazy that yes. it can be quarter past <laughs> nine in the evening for you. And qu- It's like last night I was um, like chilling on the sofa at like 10 p.m. And I was aware that I was doing this the next day. And yeah. I was like oh my God, she's just going to be like getting up for her day now. Like the idea of that being the same time. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Of me I having to, slept I get to live in time. the future all the time. It's so weird. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> I was asking you how you got into Doctor Who. Um, well, I mean, my dad tried to get me into Doctor Who in 2005, watched, I think it was Rose and End of the World, enjoyed them and then got busy uh-huh. um, at the time it was on and didn't watch. Um, and then when I was uh, 17-ish, I was very into Merlin and very into Colin Morgan. That is so I, a strange route that you would be into Merlin before you were into Doctor Who. I know. Um, I got into Merlin because I read a Merlin fanfic first. Right, okay. Would, would it, it be unfair to very... call Merlin a poor man's Doctor Who? And I say that as someone who's never seen Merlin. <laughs> uh, I, I love Merlin. Um, <laughs> very, very different to Doctor Who in like... Yeah. how much there is but the fan fiction is brilliant so uh but no, i was into Merlin, trying to watch everything colin morgan so i watched midnight oh yeah i was gonna say i maintain yeah. is a stunner first doctor who episode because it's just so damn good it's bloody um, but good it's also, but yeah it's but also it does completely sort of, isolated yeah and it, but it does sort really of break the format of doctor who a little bit which could be odd for a first, first episode yeah yeah so then i i was very into that and went back and watched through kind of in a very weird order. I don't think I actually watched the series like in order for a while. I think sure. I was like, oh, this episode sounds cool. It was very illogical. I don't know why I did that. But yeah, so watched all through that. Finally caught up to what was live with uh, um, Impossible Astronaut and Day of the Moon. And they were the first ones I watched on release. Mm-hmm. And then it was, it was really... Um, Asylum of the Daleks, which was when I was got fully embedded in fandom and then never looked back. Is it a coincidence or not that that's the first story that it's Jenna Coleman appears in? Not at all. <laughs> um, it's perhaps why right. I right. I wrote wrote some some meta on Tumblr, some you know analysis after that episode. Which, looking back now, is scarily accurate for having seen one hour of Clara. Yeah. 
as in like analysis of her character or predictions as to as to what it would all mean bit of both right right i remember that being such a weird twist because it's such a weird twist in asylum of the Daleks because it relies on it's a rare twist that relies on audience knowledge of the future casting it's quite odd, yeah. isn't it? It's I don't think many other shows yeah. could get away with it in quite the same way, especially since like it's not as if um, it's not as if Jenna Coleman was an enormous household name or anything. It, it just oh, relied on the people watching having seen articles about her having been cast, which is really really strange and impressive that the show managed to pull it off in a way. But I also I think the reason I recognised her so quickly is because I already had a massive crush on her, so you know that helps. With yeah. recognising people. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it does. I can imagine it does. Speak, yeah. Go back to Colin so, Morgan for a second, though. I saw Colin Morgan um, about... Oh, it's coming up to 10 years ago now in a oh. production of The Tempest at The Globe. And he was incredible. Ooh. He played um, Ariel in The Tempest, and he was so good. Nice. It was it was Very the perfect lucky. role for him. Yeah, so that's the thing about being in Australia. You don't get to see all these people live on stage. That's true, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine that's the case. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when did you kind of, was it pretty much from the get-go that you were kind of getting involved in online fandom and starting to carve out a identity for yourself as a Doctor Who fan or did that happen more gradually? Um, see, yeah, I feel like it happens like, because like, at the start of Asylum of the Daleks, I didn't have that many followers on Tumblr and I'd been in various other unrelated fandoms had a bunch of, you know, Tumblr friends who were into stuff. Like, I, I'd i been writing, you know, meta-analysis for a little bit, but, you know, basically for my own curiosity, which is pretty much how it remained. It's just people liked it a bit more. Um, but, no, I, yeah, start, started writing and then slowly, very slowly gathering followers and then mutuals and just a community of people, I think. A lot of the um, and this, like was, during... this was on Tumblr largely. Yes, this was all, all on Tumblr. Right. This was what 2012, 2013, uh, peak of Tumblr. Um, and then so yeah, it was the second half of series seven that I started getting a lot of followers, and then um, late yeah with the Christmas special that I changed my handle to a bossy control freak, which I've been ever since. So it's sort of that was the forging a Clara identity stage but a lot of it was I was I think predicting a lot of plot points because it just seemed to make sense and seeing past bits of Clara's character that other people weren't and then everyone else caught on and I found some more incredibly wonderful writers through Mm. that Mm. a lot of whom are are writing for Untold Adventures now cool I want to know more about Untold Adventures Yes. Um, so it's been in development for a very long time uh, because we're all volunteers and slow writers. But um, the original idea was Ruth Longs. Uh, so she's the one of the other, um, you know, brains behind the whole thing. Um, you know, decided she wanted to write a series about Clara's adventures after Doctor Who. And she pulled me on originally just to do... Um, character like make sure Clara's character was on point um and work out the series arc and then 
I did the thing I always do of slowly get more and more involved as I overcommit myself. <laughs> and yeah, the, it, it developed really slowly. We had a fantastic group of writers. So they all came in with their pitches for stories and we wove that together into a character arc that continued on from after Hellbent um, and then takes Clara through a what we feel is a really strong character arc. So it's an arc like a season of Doctor Who and it's structured like that with each story being an episode and follows a very like a similar process and we'll re- we're going to be releasing them week to week. So we're hoping it'll feel like a bit like a, a season of Clara Who. Sure. But visual. Which um, is what sorry, everyone prose. wanted, I think, right? After Hellbent. Yeah. It, and, yeah. It's, and it's prose, uh, but they're, they're illustrated, right? Yes, we we did get um, – we've got artists for each of the episodes, so all of the stories will have um, three to four art pieces, depending on what the artist has been able to commit to, what they got inspired by. Sure. And have you, so have you written that, any of them, or are you purely, um, are you purely a coordinator? Um, I did a bit of co-writing on the third episode, uh, but mostly been behind the scenes coordinating and, you know – planning out Clara's art, doing editing and making sure it all flows as mm. it should. Yeah, I was going to because... say, has it been interesting trying to f- trying to sort of flatten out a house style? Or, or is that not something you're attempting to do at all? Well, in terms of house style, like obviously, we, you know, we want consistencies in, you know, are we capitalising the word raven? I think was the last discussion we had about that. Right. Um, <laughs> but... I mean, we're kind of embracing the Doctor Who thing of each episode does bring something a little bit different and each writer brings their own spin on it. Um, and, like, that's what I love about Doctor Who is they all – you can go yeah, and do the, completely that's part of the joy different of things. Yeah. You wouldn't want so to iron let... out Doctor Who and, and make it all no. feel and, and look and sound the same, would you? No. So we've let the writers have a lot of freedom with genre and style – like some people have lent heavily into um, like a kind of a theatrical style. Mm. Um, and then we've got, you know, a classic Base Under Siege episode. Right, right. Uh, some that are like a little bit more horror. Um, I think one that uses chat logs for part of the storytelling. So honestly got all sorts of stuff in there. But what we did want to have consistent was the character arcs of Clara and of me have their journey through the series feel feel like it was one story. Yeah, and because also, they're, they're, yeah, there's a there's there's consistency of tone, and then there's consistency of character. And I think one is definitely necessary there, isn't it? I think that having yeah. consistency of character. If you don't have that, then it all falls apart, right? Yeah, and especially because we're trying to tell a story that is built on Clara's character development through this series, because she does change a lot during this series. It's yeah. not, you know. The Clara at Hellbent is not the Clara who's going to reach Gallifrey. No, absolutely um, not. But but also watching her relationship with me develop. Um, and that's been really interesting because we kind of didn't have much material to base that off. Well, because they don't really so, know each other in Series 9, do they? Uh, uh, me's relationship no. is more with the Doctor and Clara kind of... I mean, Clara's not even in the, the woman who lived really. and uh, Yeah. Yeah, she sort of exists on the sidelines of that relationship between me and the Doctor. Yeah, so they've they've got like a fascination with each other during series nine and some sort of connection, but they don't really have yeah that relationship, and they don't super know each other. So that's something we got to explore: is 
you know, when they get to know each other, what will they think of? What will they think of each other? How will how will that proceed? Um, but we've also had to work out a character arc for me, um, who didn't have as much back material as Clara to pull on, um, as much years. Well, she, well of, she's sort uh, of three different characters or four different characters across yeah. series nine, isn't she? Yeah, she, she's been yeah a lot of showed a lot of different sides of herself, um, and then. We did have the Legends of Ashilda book, which was really useful to pull on to find a few other character threads. But I mean, mostly she's that she's got quite a, a lot of original content with her, but it does line up with the character we know from Doctor Who. But we've definitely taken her in new directions um, that worked for the themes and the story we wanted to explore. So yeah, it's been really interesting. And, and without spoiling it, um, do they do they get on me and Clara broadly, or are they are they um, it does tension arise? Um, as to, do they get on sometimes? Okay, that's exactly the answer which, I would have expected. Which, to be honest, with Clara, is I think the answer most people get on with Clara sometimes. She's yeah, for sure. I love her. I I, I adore her and I identify with her, but she's a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's something I find, you know, like, you know, I like to ship Clara with everyone, but I don't think many of them would actually want to be in a relationship with her, like no. other companions. I'm like, Bill would not put up with Clara. Oh, my God. No, <laughs> no, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. The same. I mean, the same is true of, I mean, it's almost why it didn't work out with the Doctor, right? Because she's just yeah. so much. And almost yeah. maybe, and I'm I'm treading on dodgy territory here and maybe we'll approach this later but maybe why it didn't work out with the viewer necessarily all the time yeah that that wouldn't surprise me is mm. she's a, she's a particular type of character and a particular type of person um and one that i absolutely love and most of my friends do too because i can be kind of a bit like that too which is you know one of the reasons i gravitated towards her is i definitely sure. saw myself in her so but that's interesting in, a, a... in and of itself because i feel like that almost could have gone two ways and and someone like clara might actually end up disliking her because because oh, yeah. they see so much of themselves in her do you know what i mean and and it's so yeah. uh, large a character yeah i think it would it it was also the right time in my life where i was embracing those things about myself like mm, the mm. the a bossy control freak going actually it's not bad to be a bit bossy yeah um yeah. and there is off obviously the element of a female character with all these larger than life kind of bossy controlling you know um traits we don't see that as often with female characters as we do with male characters not at all and so people people don't really have a problem with the doctor taking up a lot of space in the show um which i think is good they shouldn't um but it's sort of it's interesting looking into maybe why why people get turned off of Clara. Sometimes it's just um, she doesn't really interest me and that's fine. And sometimes I think it can be closer to I'm not used to this in a companion or this in a female character. Yeah. But, like, we, we are starting to see more female characters like that increasingly across all sorts of media, Definitely. which I'm, Absolutely. Lo I'm loving. So Yeah, it's upsetting all the right people and it's great. I think it yeah. was it was interesting in series ten 
when, and I was maybe slightly of, slightly guilty of this myself at the time, when Bill um, came on board, everybody was instantly, instantly fell in love with her, like fandom at large, instantly oh. fell in love with her, and were like, oh my god, it's so great to get to get a companion who is uh, more like what we want again. And actually, yeah. it, it's, is it because Bill is more um, subservient and placid than than no, Clara, I, by and large? Maybe. I, I don't think so, because Bill Bill does speak up. Bill tells the Doctor what for. Um, she Bill does is... at the start of the season, but as the, as the season goes on, she's a... I don't yeah. know, I feel like she fits the fits the, the trad companion model yeah. a little more than Clara does. Yeah, but she, she's also just a very lovable person and a that very lovable true, character. Yeah. Um, and yes, I mean, some people, some characters are just like that. It's like, I can't help but love you. Yeah. Um, and she also, she doesn't clash with the Doctor quite as much. She doesn't have their spiky edges don't really poke each other. No. Whereas Clara and the Doctor... They fit very well, but there's fireworks. <laughs> For sure. I feel like with, with Bill, the tension is more often, don't do that, Doctor. Whereas with Clara, it's like, yeah. don't do that, do this. Which is a yeah. a more, uh, yeah, a spikier interaction, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and they, they push each other into becoming more... Not necessarily worse versions of themselves, but more heightened versions of themselves. Yeah, and more toxic uh, versions. Just going of a bit further. <laughs> yeah, in terms of <laughs> a the lot further. the uh, until the ventures series, then are we? Um, are you kind of uh, putting the focus on uh, new worlds, uh, new characters, or are there other Doctor Who characters set to make appearances and other Doctor Who concepts set to make appearances across the um, the series, and also? My second, the second part of that question, um, yeah. is the format of the stories akin to a Doctor Who story, or have you gone for something a little bit different? Um, well, in terms of characters, we've mostly gone original characters and original concepts. There are a few, a few side characters, a few monsters who are references. There's, there is a, there are a couple of episodes at the end of the series that we do bring back a few fan favourites. Um, I can't remember what we've spoiled so far in our promotion, so I'm not going to say. But oh well, there, there's a there's a Jane Austen episode, for example, exploring that relationship. She's not really a Doctor Who character, but she's someone from it's Clara's a, a, Doctor yeah, Who a story. Reference from the story, yeah, yeah. Um, and so we do bring those back, but we're careful about where and why we bring bring back characters from from Doctor Who. I think in series two, which we are planning, but after we've had a break from ser- after series one as well, um, we are thinking of bringing back a few more characters from Doctor Who because we've had enough time to establish establish the Untold Adventures as as its own thing. Its own thing, sure. Yeah, it's not just throw all the cannon at it and see how it goes. But you know, equally, we've got some crazy, weird, deep lore that I don't understand, and I, the, the reader won't need to understand to appreciate the series, but someone who's deep into Doctor Who lore will probably enjoy that we'll extra layer. It. It's a nice little layer for them, yeah. And what about, yeah. The, what about the stories then? Are they, um, are they very like Doctor Who stories, or have you gone with a bit of a different model? Is it paced the same way? Uh, Is it Does it feel the same? I think it. most of the stories do feel the same, Um there's a couple more kind of 
experimental different style ones but for the most part they're kind of paced very similar um feeling very similar but you know you've got the differences of uh like prose you you know an action set piece is not really as interesting in prose but uh you can do like the internal exploration of what the characters are thinking a lot more so you get to focus on different things just by virtue of the different medium that we're using but yeah for the most part it's you know investigation and then you know resolution you know slight slight mystery plot working out what the hell's going on on this crazy place um and we've definitely the writers have definitely drawn on inspiration from various doctor who episodes for their stories um so you'll you, you'll see you'll find things reading the series where it's like ah oh, yeah no that I can tell what that's referencing. And what about the um, the the TARDIS? Does it remain as a diner or is it, is its chameleon circuit functioning? Um, it remains as a diner. Um, I love that. That's exactly yes. the answer I wanted. <laughs> yes. So we have we have designed the interior. There's there's an interior that is different from the the plain white classic interior um which i think we've released all over social media and on our website which is theuntoldadventures.com um and it's very very gorgeous we all just got to basically make it our favorite tardis and then yeah it's beautiful uh but there is the the diner aspect and the outside is the diner um so yeah which you know it, it would feel weird to have it any other way, to yeah, be honest. it's irresistible, isn't it, as an idea? Yeah. And I think it makes sense that a, another TARDIS would would recognise the, the doctorliness in Clara and would break its chame- own chameleon circuit. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know, I get that. I like that or, idea. You know, or, you know, do, do they just choose not to work out how to fix it? Yeah, maybe, maybe. It's the, yeah, it's a home comfort for, for Clara and me instead, yeah could be that yeah which actually feeds into a part of the art for clara is working out how how to be her own sort of doctor Mm. because Mm. obviously she's got a tardis she's got a companion she's adventuring through space and time but she she isn't the doctor yeah she does have to work out her own way of doing things and what bits of being the doctor that she learned from the doctor does she want to keep and what yeah who is she when she's the doctor yeah, because I guess what you wouldn't want, especially like even from a, a writing point of view, is to yeah be writing these untold inv- adventures. But really, if you just substituted the word Clara for Doctor, it would be a Doctor Who yeah. story. Like you want to give her her own identity, don't you? Yeah. Otherwise, well, I mean, what's the point? Yeah, you may as well uh, just well, write some I mean, Doctor Who fan fiction, right? Yeah, which is great, and people do that all the time, and it's wonderful. But yeah, this is this is the series of what what would Clara do? And it's also, as we do see Clara in Doctor Who mode, in the Doctor mode during um, during Doctor Who, but she's she's trying to embody a role that already exists. She's not trying to create something new and create an identity. For sure. And the subtle and the subtle difference between like I'm trying to live up to what I think the Doctor is. Like Flatline is the perfect example of that. She's she's playing the role of the Doctor. And it is very her, but it's not quite her identity. And, and her also, the doctor's bit... right there to judge that, isn't he? Whereas, oh, absolutely. If she's if she's on her own, like she can do things that the doctor wouldn't approve of and get away with it. Yes, and then you know, 
how much of that can you actually do before you start realizing maybe you shouldn't mm. Mm. <laughs> how long before you go too far yeah yeah um great we're gonna start we're gonna keep talking about um we're going to keep talking about Clara now because your unpopular opinion is also centered around Clara Oswald. Would you like to yes. share your unpopular opinion with the listeners? Caitlin. My mum says I shouldn't talk to strange men. Ah, your mum's right. Are you strange? <laughs> oh dear, I'm way past strange. I think I'm probably incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Are you lonely? Why would I be lonely? Because she's sad. Have you lost something? No. When I lose something, I go to a quiet place and I close my eyes and then I can remember where I put it. My unpopular opinion is that Clara in Series 7 is good, actually. Because the consensus view is Clara doesn't... If Clara gets good at all, she doesn't get good until Series 8 Seri- when, when the show invents... A new character for her right is the that is the consensus view i'm not saying it's my view but it is the consensus view why is that consensus view incorrect in your humble opinion well um i mean looking at series seven both on its own but particularly in the context of the rest of her later arc there is so much seeding of the character, what she later develops into her character arc. So, you know, one of my absolute favourite Clara scenes in Series 7 is uh, her speech at the end of Rings of Akatan, um, which is a beautiful episode. That's a different unpopular opinion. Um, <laughs> uh, it's so what we respect she... on this podcast. <laughs> oh, it, 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 it's correct. But, you know, it's, a, it's also not unanimous. No, absolutely um, not. So... When she she sacrifices the leaf to the sun god, as she's sacrificing her her mother's possible future, the, and the future she never got to live, that the understanding it takes to see how how much m- more overwhelming a future of infinite possibility can be than a past of, you know finite experiences which is what the doctor was offering and what wasn't enough is that takes a certain view of the world and of the universe that and it's it's a very it's a very doctorish view except it's actually more doctorish than the doctor had in that episode yeah it's like the doc yeah the doctor's letting the side down a bit there isn't he yeah um and so the way Clara sees the universe, sees experiences, is in this a very Doctor Who way. It's everything is possible, you know, we can have infinite amount of story, different stories to tell, which, you know, of course was very poignant going into the 50th, is, you know, we've had all these great experiences, but, oh, my God, so much more to come. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's there's that which that sort of unique way of looking at the universe, um, like it does come out later on. Um, just just in her character and the way she goes about her life. Um, but another one that I really like is uh in Hyde, uh, which is another favourite episode of series seven. Um there's 
at the end of the episode, there's a scene where she yells at Emma, I think it's Emma, um, to go and like go back into her mindy windy things and save the doctor and put us put herself at risk to do that and she's demanding this of emma and it's just it's this really dark scene of like go and possibly kill yourself to save someone i care about who and it's you know that sort of ruthlessness that she doesn't think twice about demanding that and that sort of ruthlessness we see it again and again in clara's art like um Dark Water would perhaps be the best example of that in Series Eight, oh where she's God, tossing yeah. the Doctor's keys into the TARDIS. That that dark side the whole of whole sequence is one of the best Doctor Who. Oh, it is absolutely. Ever. Yeah, but and I say that, that as someone who hated it when they first saw it. <laughs> I've but taken, yeah, you know, dark... I've taken so long with Clara. Like I, when she was actually, when her episodes were actually airing, I didn't have time for it. I thought she was. Um, kind of a caricature of a doctor who companion in a way that oh. irritated me i thought that that um i thought that i found jenna coleman's kind of um affectations and mannerisms irritating but as i've gone back over the years and i've watched again and again she's become one of my favorite doctor who characters um i think yeah she ages like a fine wine well what um this is a stephen moffat quote about like what he his thought behind writing clara is what sort of person would actually want to be a Doctor Who companion? Mm. You'd have to be a little bit crazy. And a little bit um, impossible, right? Yeah, a little bit impossible. Uh, and Clara's character kind of almost pathologizes that. Um, and so you get Series 7, and Series 7 is the ideal. And it, it is very much that, you know, caricature ideal of Doctor Who companion, but there's just these moments that it slips and that hide one with just we see her ruthlessness that, like, she's so determined to have this work out that she's happy for someone else to die for it. And it's ultimately and, like, that, that, that ruthlessness and, and determination that leads to her becoming all the splinters in the first place at the end of Series 7, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, she's very determined to be a hero. Mm. Um, the type of hero she wants to be changes over time. So, like in series seven, it's very much the the storybook heroine, like Mary Poppins, as we see in the Snowmen, as one yeah. of her splinters. It's not, um, very much a Mary Poppins type, but even in Clara Prime is a bit Mary Poppins, uh, practically perfect in every way. Um, and so we get this. What series seven gives us is. Clara's ideal, Clara playing her ideal of a Doctor Who companion and of a heroine. And then in the finale of that, she she achieves the greatest thing, which is saves the day in a magical Deus Ex Machina. You know, that's that's the ultimate hero move. I mean, we, we saw it with Rose in series one. It's the, yeah. the ultimate hero thing to do. Um I guess most so, companions get that moment, right, in their time. Oh, it's yeah. like Martha gets it at the end of Series 3, Donna gets it at the end of Series 4, Amy gets it when she brings um, uh, Matt Smith's Doctor back into... Yeah, and the whole universe back at the end of Series 5. Um, and Clara, Clara's almost premature with that moment, isn't she? That's maybe well, what makes um, yeah. 
her so different? Well, Clara, Clara get when Clara gets that moment, she wants it to have that moment. She wants that moment to be part of her story that she's writing for herself. And it, and it already is, much... right? She is. Yeah. The moment we see her, that moment's already happened. It, we we. Yeah. Maybe that's what was so. Um, maybe that's what people didn't get on with, though, as well, is that the 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 culmination almost of her story arc and of her character arc had already happened. She seemed too complete when she when yeah. she arrived on our screens. Yeah, and so yeah, there's all of that. But I mean, what what makes series seven for me is you've got this thing of Clara performing a role, and it, yeah, it's the moment that she slips and you see that okay maybe she's not actually she's not actually this role that she's playing yeah um, maybe she's something darker than that or more uh nuanced than that or spikier yeah definitely like more nuanced or like she's playing a role why do you want to play this role so bad clara <laughs> yeah who hurt you <laughs> uh, validation and self-esteem and, you know, all those things that are interesting. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, you look onto Series 8. Um, she's kind of, she's let up a little bit on what role she's playing, but she kind of still is. She's kind of still, she's got her, her dual lives going. She's still playing a role. We just get to see more behind the scenes increasingly. She lets us see more behind the scenes of her character than we do in series seven. Yeah. And so that's probably the, the criticism that I'm happy with of series seven is there maybe aren't enough of those glimpses behind the scenes of sure. fractures in the mask of Clara Oswald, but it's there. Um, it's absolutely there, especially looking back. But I mean, I definitely picked up on it during the series like watching series seven for the first that time. That was going to be one of my counterpoints was, you know, it, is this only visible in hindsight? And does it, does that constitute a failing of the, the actual writing itself of series seven? Um, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I love series seven for me. I saw it all on watch, but I also saw it because I can relate to that aspect of Clara a lot. Sure like the performing a certain version of yourself that people want to see. Um, and so I was kind of, I something in me caught onto that and I was looking for the little slips. And so I, I saw all of that in series seven. So it was definitely there, but if you weren't, if the way you're watching wasn't attuned to that way of thinking or, you know, that's just not something you pick up on, which it's completely understandable because I, Obviously, not everyone picked up on that. Most people didn't. Um, but I think the fact that it improves on rewatch doesn't necessarily mean like it's bad or irredeemable. Not at all. No, I think most things yeah. improve on rewatch. I mean, especially in Stephen Moffat's work. But I, I suppose yeah. what I was saying is maybe, as you've quite rightly said, most people didn't pick up on that stuff on first watch. So maybe if it, if it even. It wasn't even there for most people on first watch. Maybe that's a problem. Yeah. Um, and yeah, perhaps. Um, I. I mean, it, I'm just. I've mostly 
move on from trying to argue whether people should have should have picked up on well obviously sure. it doesn't matter um yeah i mean i don't think it achieved everything it could have it's not the perfect series it's not series eight do you think it would um, have been, do you think it would have been a better series um if we'd uh, gotten rid of the, the the front half of it with amy and rory and and just had a full 13 episodes with um with clara I think maybe there would have been more opportunity to have, you know, see the the two sides of her character, the the acting and then the the more real, um, if we'd uh, had a longer series. Um, but I mean, equally, Amy and Rory's steer, series story needed that little culmination. It confu- yeah, it was a they they were in a bit of a a, a bind, uh, yeah, yeah, a bit of a bind at that point in the in the show's production. I suppose the the other um, downside to doing a full thirteen episodes with that uh, version of Clara would be that um, there's an awkward and quite unpleasant tension in that uh, latter half of series seven between the Doctor and Clara, where she's this kind of puzzle box for him, and he's quite weird and stalkery, and people don't yeah. get on with that. And I think it would have felt stressful to to sustain that unpleasantness yeah. for a full 13 episodes it's kind of nice that we got that bit of their relationship over with and yeah um, i don't we're able to move on also i don't know that matt smith and jenna coleman work that well opposite each other to be quite honest no definitely not compared to um uh, jenna and peter yeah that's you know they they weren't terrible but i think it's mostly because they're such good actors they're both very good actors they could make it work enough for that series but going back to what you were saying about um the doctor being a creep in series seven i do find it kind of interesting that a lot of the time clara gets blamed for that yeah how do you is mean people or people do, like one of the things that people commonly don't like is that the the doctor and the series arc was so fixated on clara being a puzzle box um to be honest, the Doctor gets called out so many times by by the arc, by characters, by Clara. Um, I mean, Hyde's a good example. Emma calls him out, like, flat out. He's like, you know, stop doing this. Like, why does she have to be a puzzle? She's just a person. Yeah. Um, and, like, yes, we know she's a puzzle, but she is a person too. And it's, it's always the... Oh, I don't like Clara because she was a puzzle box, which mm. is kind of I don't like Clara because the doctor treated the doctor her as treated a puzzle box. This way. I think maybe the the problem there though is that it, come series seven, the we were with the doctor, weren't we? We the the, the yeah. doctor was our identification point. We would we were viewing the stories through the doctor. I mean, thinking about a story like um, Bells of Saint John and then and then Rings of Akatan, he. We're experiencing that all through him. We're we're discovering Clara rather than we're yeah. we're Clara discovering the Doctor, which is how it works with most other companions. Um, so maybe that's maybe the the show encourages us to kind of be in the Doctor's boat there, um, viewing Clara as this puzzle box, and then people kind of, I think people's question was, well, now the puzzle's solved at the end of series seven. Where do we go from here? Who is Clara yeah. once the puzzle's solved? Well, I think like perhaps something something series seven could have done to 
improve or to communicate that better, it's definitely an area that I think could have been tweaked, is have a bit more, even actually have, the problem is that the two episodes immediately after, um, you know, Clara is the one who did all this stuff. She Like the Clara Prime that we know is not a mystery. She's just a normal person with some weird pathologies. Um, but the two episodes immediately after that, the 50th and Time of the Doctor, are so incredibly Doctor-focused mm. that you don't get a lot of time to spend on Clara as a normal character and the Doctor now just appreciates Clara as yeah. a person. Though and in hindsight, she gets- like looking at Day of the Doctor... As much as obviously that story is about the Doctor and his journey and his character arc, Clara has such an important role to play there, and it's, oh, she does. She, you know, she does, maybe no other companion could have could have convinced the Doctor to change his mind. Yeah, but it doesn't. It like we don't get that immediate dive into. Okay, this is Clara, the doc. The Doctor now getting to know Clara as a normal person, and not as a mystery box. Which perhaps if we'd had that, something like that after um, Name of the Doctor, that perhaps that would have gone some ways in, towards take, actually taking the audience on the journey of, okay, yeah, we're all behind Matt Smith, we're all behind Eleven, um, he's our self-insert character at the moment, and oh shit, we didn't see this person with complexity Um you know, maybe not everything's a mystery. That sort of, not necessarily lesson, but just that journey of realising the way we're looking at this character is kind of a bit screwed up. And that, um, and that and the way in the part doc- is what Deep deep Breath is. But again, the audience is, oh. is distracted by looking at this new Doctor and what that yeah. means. And, you know, it's impossible to, especially on first watch, it's impossible to think about anything else other than the new Doctor when you're watching that story. Yeah. When inv- and like invisibly series eight it's does about that Clara's incredibly character. Well. And Series 8 as a whole does that incredibly well. Um, is it gives us the, okay, what's the Doctor's and Clara's relationship actually like mm. when he doesn't see her as a mystery box? Um, and it's wonderful. Uh, and yeah, there's there's bits of that in Deep Breath, Time of the Doctor and Day of the Doctor, but it is the second or third most important character arc or fourth in the case of Day of the Doctor because we've got three Doctors first. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, yeah so as, I, as I well through the whole of your Series 8, it's not just Deep, deep Breath, actually. You're, you're looking the other way. You're thinking about, oh, who is this Doctor? How is Peter Capaldi playing the part? How is this character, the 12th Doctor, developing? And you know your your point there about um, perhaps it would have been good off the back of uh, name of the Doctor to have some focus on where does this relationship go now? Yes, we do get that in series eight, but we get it with a brand new character in the Doctor. Like it's not um, yeah, it's it's kind of confused by the fact that we're also having to yeah work out who the Doctor is and where Clara Clara stands with that. Yeah, so like th- there, there is in series seven some level of call out of the Doctor and mm. therefore the audience for being distracted by the puzzle box and not seeing a human being. Yeah, um, which obviously works a lot better when your puzzle box is a woman. Um, 
you know, it's just, you know, the way we're primed from media in general. Um, but, and that's there, but it isn't perhaps obvious enough for enough of the audience to have got it if you weren't already a bit sympathetic to that idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is like, yeah, and writing about it, for me, writing about it on Tumblr and finding other people writing about it, I found all the people who were, you know, if not noticing that immediately, at least primed to realise, oh, shit, and have a big readjustment of their the, their idea of Clara's character with sure. Name of the Doctor, which is what Name of the Doctor aims to be is okay, we got this We got this a bit wrong, but the, there's just not enough time at the end of that to to properly do that. No, because the, yeah. the time at the end of Name of the Doctor as well is, is just dedicated to trailing the 50th anniversary as well. Yeah, <laughs> which, you know, God, that would have been a hell of a year to write Doctor Who in. Oh, my God. I, one of my favourite stories about writing that, about Stephen writing that series of scripts was that he... You've probably heard this, but the listeners may not have done. Um, is that he hadn't cast John Hurt yet, and it was like oh. weeks from airing or whatever. And he, um, yes. the script literally just says, and then the fam- the most famous actor in the world turns around, <laughs> which I just absolutely <laughs> love. <laughs> yeah, and he nailed it. But um, he did absolutely. I mean, would you? Um, wouldn't you have loved to have seen that? That. Um, that mythic version of the uh, 50th anniversary special that the Doctor, as we know it, isn't in, and it's just um, and it's just Jenna Coleman running around meeting all of these weird um, substitute yeah. Doctors. Wouldn't that have been? Oh, I mean, I'm not saying it's what loved... I would have wanted, but it's it would have been I... fascinating to see. I I want to see the entire one hour deleted scene of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like you know, you know, when there's deleted I want that scenes, as a DVD like, extra. <laughs> is you, you know why that scene got deleted? You're glad it wasn't in the actual thing for sure. But oh, it's so good. I, I'd be it's, so I interested that, but... to read it and hear more about it. I mean, I I don't think it was ever developed beyond just literally what I just said. Like, I think it was just a, yeah. a concept Stephen thought of. Um, but yeah, I, I would have been so interested to see where that would have gone. Yeah. But yeah, c- coming back to Clara in Series 7, I think it's like, I mean, it's not so much that um, Clara, like, Series 7, Clara in Series 7 worked <clears throat> on first viewing, but more that there is so much there to appreciate going back. There yeah. are. And the I suppose in this day and age, does it. Yeah, in this day and age, does it matter um, whether we see it on first viewing? You know, when we live in a world where we can watch things over and over again, does it does it yeah. even matter whether something's completely there on first watch? Well, I I think it it does to some extent, that, but that's that's only a part yeah. of whether it works. Well, it's 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 a significant part. I think it's probably mm. I don't know. We're doing percentages, sixty percent ish, but. There's so much opportunity and so many things that are built to rewatch mm, and mm. built to go back and discover references that were laid and seeds and foreshadowing that were laid, For sure. you know, at the start that don't come through till the end. And maybe it's not even just about rewatch. Maybe it's about just thinking back and looking back as a viewer once you realise these things about the character, literally just, just thinking back on the stories and appreciating them in yeah. a new light, even if you're not watching them again. 
yeah, it's definitely a wonderful source for writing analysis. For sure. So, which which I very much appreciate as that being my favourite part of fandom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to address the the elephant in the room a little bit, um, which yeah. we've touched on slightly, but not a lot. Um, do you think there is an undercurrent of sexism to the criticism of Clara, both in general and in Series 7? Yes, but not not every criticism of Clara is has sexism in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, there's, there's some that... What like are the, the red flags then that make you uh, suspicious and make you think this person is, is just a sexist? Um... Anything that says she talks too much, she has too much screen time. Yeah, yeah. Can we focus on something else for a minute? Is she's too prominent? Anything too, too of that loud, is too takes up too much space. Yeah, yeah. Especially like takes up too much space in the narrative or in screen time sense. It's like, um, she's she's one of the two main characters in the show. That's what they do. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Um, yeah. So like that one's the red, like the biggest red herring. Um, I mean, but there's other things of, and a lot of it I don't actually think is like out and out, you know, overt sexism. There's obviously a few people we know there's that section of Doctor Who fan base and we don't like to talk about them, (laughs) but the, a lot of people, it's just, you know, things you've been primed to think by watching media that exists in a sexist society. Yeah. It's, you know. Just, I don't know, being slightly uncomfortable when a female character is trying to take over the narrative of the show, which is like hell-bent is Clara turning the show into Clara Who. Yeah. Which, you know, we then don't get, which is what Untold Adventures is, but it's upending this law-based story about Gallifrey and going, no, let's not do that. Let's do a story about how... Stories are relevant to have... and matters more, right? <laughs> to the yeah, people watching, um, or, or hopefully does. Exactly, hopefully does. Um, and so it's not even that necessarily people don't like it, but it, there's a resistance to to stories or to yeah to Clara taking up more of a role, taking up more narrative significance um, that do have an undercurrent of sexism in them, but which doesn't necessarily mean that the people who think that are sexist but that they've got society's biases yeah i think there's also a a sort of a double sexism to it and that it's not just the it's not just clara taking up space in the narrative that people have a problem with because a lot of this a lot of the same people who will who will uh come out with that point um don't mind the amount of space that Rose gets in the narrative in series one and two. And I, I would say the yeah. reason for that is that Rose, while a strong character and and uh and a feminist character in many ways, is Oh absolutely is less the doctor's equal and yeah less prone to calling him out and more happy to kind of live by the doctor's rules and be a guest in his narrative, even if she is yeah a key part of the story. Do you know what I mean? She, she's she's not going to fight him for narrative space. No, absolutely he might, not. He she, might give it to her, yeah, and he does, but she want, she doesn't have to fight him to get the narrative space, whereas Clara's going to go and fight for every bit of 
narrative space you can get. Yeah, and like, it's Clara would. You get the the feeling Clara would have the show be called Clara Who if she if she if she could, right? Oh, whereas one hundred and ten percent, absolutely. Yeah, whereas Rose wouldn't want that. She loves Doctor Who too much. And then, yeah, looking at Bill in series ten, Bill wouldn't want that either. No, no, and I, maybe that's why no. people at large preferred Bill to Clara. Yeah, and you know whether whether that comes from the um you know a their view of the show as being the doctor as the main character and panion as the secondary character and it should stay that way as from that or from a sort of um you know internalized sexism or societal bias perspective like you can't necessarily tease that apart because the show has for 53 years had the main role be played by a man. So it's like, is this just people are cling to what their view of the show is? Sure. Or people have uh, some sort of internalized... Those things are so intertwined there because, like, why has the show been fronted by a man for the last 54 years? It's like, well, that is also entwined with uh, the patriarchy and, and whatnot. So... Yeah, it's impossible yeah. to to prize apart those those two things, really, isn't it? But yeah, I do. Um, which actually comes back to something. I do think Clara did, in some way, prime the audience for a female Doctor because yeah, she had a I female. Think so. But I think maybe more so than up... more so than Missy did, even though Missy gets credited with that yeah. most often. I think maybe more of that responsibility falls to Clara. Yeah, Missy had it in terms of the we've got a canon regeneration to satisfy the law nerds um, and just to do do a test case for that. Um, you know, River a little bit, but Clara in terms of the, okay, we've got a, a female character taking up that weight of narrative space and, sh- and wanting the show to be about her. It never was quite Clara who, but... She definitely wanted it. You can't deny that. Mm. And that, and it was, it was for that, that one Clara, week where she she is in the title sequence to Death in Heaven. Oh, I I knew even watching that that I didn't really want Clara to be the Doctor because I didn't want her previous season and a half of character development not to have mattered. But I also really wanted it. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> it's like. I'm I'm glad they didn't because it would have made all of that kind would, of irrelevant. It would have been quite. They woke up and it was all a dream. Yeah, just a bit stupid, and I don't. I'm glad they didn't, but also I did kind of want it. Yeah, yeah. Because what a move! And yeah. you know, got to got to say, Jenna Coleman would have been an incredible doctor. Yeah, well, I was I was going to say the the irony is really in terms of Clara priming the audience for a female doctor is that now that we do have one, she is apologetic for taking up space in the narrative and yeah it's uh, it's an odd i mean I, i'm not going to chibnall bash because i I did that enough on my last episode and i do it enough uh on the podcast in general but i it's it's funny to see how that has all panned out isn't it and, yeah. and also I... that what you were saying before about clara kind of in stephen moffat's mind being the kind of person that in real life would want would want to be a doctor who companion and then you think yeah. about the companions we've got and someone like Ryan, he doesn't he doesn't seem like he enjoys travelling in the TARDIS that much. 
Yeah. I don't I don't understand why Ryan's there most of the time. I don't yeah. hate Ryan as a character, but I just don't I don't believe him as someone who would want to live that life. Yeah. And I mean, is a lot of that because we just don't know very much about any of them? Mm, maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. that that is my biggest biggest gripe with thirteen and mm. um, the Tribunal era is that it it almost feels like a backstep in terms of um, you know how much space your female lead can take up. Because actually, I kind of think with. Bill, if she could, she didn't have to fight to take up space and to be really significant in the narrative. No, and I think that the sort of Clara had taught the Doctor that it was appropriate and right that he give that space to Bill. Yeah, and that he respect her feelings. Yeah, and, and then, not and then wipe he, her memory. Yeah, and then he gave that space to the woman in himself and became became thirteen, which is a fantastic. Uh, moment in the show that that kind of yeah we're, yeah we're still sort of sitting in the energy of and nothing is kind I mean, of it, emerging from it i mean it does kind of work from a you know very focused character perspective of clara taught the doctor to take a step back and let others shine and then we get 12 regenerates into a doctor who's quite apologetic true then that does make sense character development wise, but it's also a really annoying and frustrating from a real world perspective. For sure. Where we are see like gender dynamics are a big part of the show. And, you know, that that is how a lot of the show works and how people view it. Which, you know, isn't always bad, but it's like it's not just what would this character do, but how does how does this play in terms of the gender balance in in the context of the history of the show. Yeah, I mean, I if, if like... series if series eight and nine were Clara who, series eleven and twelve were Graham who. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is fine. It's just uh, it's just an interesting shift. Yeah, and it seems like we've gone to okay. We're going to be featuring the companion more, not we're going to be giving women more space in the narrative. Yeah, and we're going to be featuring companions more. Who, it's funny what you said there about Ryan um, and 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 even the other companions. You, you, we don't know much about them, and and they don't no. feel as if they would be the sort of people who would want to travel in the TARDIS. Maybe Yaz does a little bit, but whereas but with mean, Clara in Series ha- Seven, the accusation there is that we don't know much about her, and yet we understand instantly that she is the sort of person who would love traveling in the TARDIS and is right for that. Yeah. Yeah, we know so much more about Clara in Series 7 than we do about, you know, honestly, most of the, or all of 13's companions by the end of Series 12, I think. So it's like, okay, that's kind of a reasonable criticism, but, you know, it could be worse. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for talking to me, uh, Caitlin. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for having me on. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter and where can people find information about the upcoming Untold Adventures series? Uh, so I'm on Twitter as Bossy Clara, Bossy underscore Clara. Uh, and the Untold Adventures is theuntoldadventures.com. Great. Fantastic. And when is it all happening or do we not know? We don't know for sure because 2020 is a thing. Um 
And so we're we're really just getting everything finished and then we're going to do a release date because we're just not going to promise anything until we have it ready to go and we know for sure. Um, because there's been enough damn curveballs and I'm not putting it past 2020 to throw some more. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, great. You can you can find um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Molly underscore Martian, and you can find the podcast on, on Twitter at Galactic Pod, and you can email me at Galactic Pod at gmail um, dot com. But until next time, bye bye everybody. Bye. bye.